welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. George, we are less than a week away from the NFL draft. We are recording this on Friday afternoon, minutes after Chris Ballard's pre-NFL draft press conference. So the days finally are, are, are counting down. We are almost there. We got a lot to break down on this specific podcast, including one big takeaway we each had from Chris Ballard's press conference. It's a secret. So I'm going to find out George's take. He's got to find out my take just as quickly as you finding out or you listening. We'll find out as well. It's a little surprise take here on Chris Ballard's, we'll call it dancing, as he referenced in his own press conference. Mm-hmm. And they did for about 20 minutes or so. We have another quarterback option that I think should be thrown into the mix when it comes to who the Colts could be taking, who could be lining up under center in 2023. We'll get to that here in a little bit as well. But George, now that we are finally basically here, right? It is, we are less than a week away from the NFL draft. We've just wrapped up Chris Ballard's pre-draft uh, press conference. I want to ask you this question. Now, especially with the Texans presumably passing on a quarterback, whether they trade out of number two or just pick the best available player, we'll see. But either way, it appears right now that it's trending towards a non-quarterback going to be taken by Houston. So there's a lot more options, a lot more available for Chris Ballard than we even thought two weeks ago. Let me ask you this very, uh, very simply. Do you trust Chris Ballard to make the right decision for this team and getting the right quarterback moving forward? I mean, the simple answer right now is no. Um, just from the standpoint of look at his history. Um, I mean, if we want to look at the quarterbacks that he brought in, okay, Jacoby Brissett, I think was a reasonable success for what they wanted him to do. Uh, he was brought in to be a backup. I think he did that. He did it well. Uh, got thrown in as a starter a couple times when it really wasn't expected. Uh, those seasons didn't go as well, but I think overall that was a plus. That was a that was a good addition. Um, after that, Philip Rivers, okay, but you only got one year out of him. You know that that worked out well, but you only got one year and he retired. Uh, and then since then, Carson Wentz, you know that was a disaster. Matt Ryan, that was somehow even worse. The two that he's drafted, Jacob Eason was here, what, two years, not quite two years, uh, or just just over two years and and gone and now bouncing around the league. And Sam Ellinger, who was a sixth-round pick, so uh, you probably have gotten what you expect from a sixth-round pick, but not not a lot of confidence that this is a guy that's going to be a major impact for this team moving forward at this point. And the jury's still out on Sam, but certainly not a guy that looks like is going to make a major impact in this position. So... You know, I look at at the history, and it's it's not good. Uh, and so, and we we've, we've talked a lot this offseason about eroding trust after you go four twelve and one. Um, you know that it's harder to just accept things at, at face value. And and so, no. Um, you know, does that mean that I don't think he can get this right? No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but history tells me right now to be skeptical. Right. He obviously could work like. What do we? Who knows? Andy Richardson could be the next best quarterback, and he sits there at four and he drafts him. He gets the last laugh, and kudos to him. But I am with you in the sense that why right now he does not get the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion. And going to the draft, no Colts fan should really give Chris Bauer the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterback. It's how you just outlined every single option outside of Brissett, because at that point, two weeks before the season, you have no chance to you know have any sort of semblance of of getting a, a realistic answer for 2019. He's gone the stopgap route. And he has had his options almost picked for him because of his patience. All right, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, especially the last two in Wentz and Ryan, 
You got those late in the free agent period when you had other quarterbacks potentially on the market and you had other options available to you. You, you played it safe. You, you waited. You were patient. And I really believed, and shame on me, that this was going to be the year because of everything crumbling right in front of your face and all of your decisions and all of your patience blowing up right in your face. I really thought this was going to be the offseason where Chris Bauer was going to approach it differently. He was going to be aggressive. And where Chris Bauer lost the benefit of the doubt for me and why I don't believe him or I don't trust him now going into this draft, sitting there at four, making the right pick, is when they got jumped by the Panthers for number one. I know, look, a lot of people, whatever, I don't, this is weird, but when we were doing our podcast, George, and when there was still a dream of Bryce Young being there for the Colts and them trading up to number one, I don't know about you, but at least for the feedback we got from our listeners, I feel like we, me and you were on an island where not as many people mm-hmm. were sold on Bryce Young as we were. And now I feel like the more that comes out, the more you hear teams talk about it, that sentiment is quickly now people realizing, oh, Bryce Young's actually really damn good. So now you're seeing other teams are telling you, analysts are telling you this as well. It's basically Bryce Young and everybody else. And not to credit us, but I think we saw that sooner than a lot of other people, which is why we were at and pounding the table, get to number one, get Bryce Young and call it a day. And when you get jumped by Frank Reich and the Panthers, and now best case scenario, we're talking about getting the second quarterback off the board. If you're not aggressive, you still, there's still a chance that you could get the fourth quarterback off the board. And it's one of those situations where you had a chance to get destiny in your own hands. And you, again, went back to what got you in trouble in recent years, patience. So nothing has changed with Chris Ballard um, this offseason when, when I really thought it would with how ugly 2022 went. And so going into the draft, like you said, we have like quarterbacks projecting them if they're going to be good or not. It is, it's more than a crapshoot, right? It's more than even just mm-hmm. putting on a blindfold and throwing a dartboard uh, or dart at a dartboard. It, it's so unpredictable. So there's absolutely a chance that Will Levis is picked there at number four and he's a star and no one sees it coming because we've seen Patrick Holmes become the best quarterback in the NFL when nobody thought that was going to be the case. It could happen. But there's no reason why right now I should believe it will happen and give Chris Bowd the benefit of the doubt that if he does take a Levis or a Richardson, that it's going to work out because everything we have seen so far up to this point leads you into nothing really changing. And if nothing is changing, you've had failure after failure after failure recently, I don't see why anything's going to be any different this year. Yeah, I think the big word there is benefit of the doubt. I mean, no one knows how this is going to turn out. Um, I think everybody, anybody who says they do is is kidding themselves. Um, you just don't know. I mean, maybe Anthony Richardson's the best player in this draft. Maybe Will Levis is the best player in this draft. Maybe it's Jalen Hall. You know, I, who knows? Uh, who about you? Jake Hayner. You know, I mean, Jake Hayner. You, like you just don't Your know. Your boy, Henton Hooker. Come on. Henton Give him Hooker some credit, is, George. Absolutely. I didn't throw him in there because I was just saying maybe. I mean, we all know Henton <laughs> Hooker's the best player in this draft. Bonafide that's, star. That's just a given. But, I mean, you just don't, you don't know. But I think what's happened is the process, you know, that you're talking about. The process feels very similar to what it has in the past. They're just going to sit and they're going to wait uh, and, and they're going to let, you know, the chips fall around them and then they'll they'll pick from from what's left over and it, it hasn't worked. So, you know, does it mean it won't work again? No, but it you'd like to see a little more aggressive. You'd like to see them change that process a little bit. And, and obviously it leads to the benefit of the doubt not being in their favor. Now, you know, again, this could all work out wonderfully for them. You know, we could be talking in November about, wow, things just fell correctly, and this rookie is is playing at, you know, a really high level, and the entire feeling around this franchise has changed, 
Um, but if I'm sitting here on what April 21st as we record this, there's no reason to give them the benefit of the doubt that that will be the outcome. And there's no reason to believe if the Texans stick there at two and take Will Anderson Jr., let's just say, there's no reason to believe that Chris Ballard will be aggressive and going up to three and getting a guy that I would say most would agree is the second-best quarterback in this draft in C.J. Stroud. And if you are given that gift of you can get a day-one starter right away and you can now get a guy that we thought for months would be uh, unaccessible, I again, I just can't really trust that Chris Ballard, once the Cardinals are on the clock, will pull the trigger and will make a deal done. And like you said, it's just right now, there's no reason. It's just the definition of insanity. Believe, you know, thinking the same thing, doing the same thing, I should say, over and over and over again, and expecting different results. The patient route has not worked out. Sitting back and letting the quarterback, whether it's the free agent carousel come to you, whether now it's the draft carousel come to you, sitting back has not done Chris Ballard any sort of good. It's not worked whatsoever, especially when it comes to quarterback. And it's just frustrating that, again, leading into the draft, he is gone down a very, a very similar road that up to this point has only left him with a flat tire, frustrated, and failure. I, so it's just, it is it is maddening, George, that we are sitting here, and I'm expected to, to hope that the, the Colts can get C.J. Stroud. I think that's, at this point, the best option they have. And I have very little faith that even with the Texans report coming out, they're still going to get him, just because I absolutely expect Chris Ballard to sit there at four, let someone else jump him, and again, let someone else dictate the quarterback that he is going to be selecting at four. That's I mean, I'll just transition to you know our takeaways because that was my main takeaway. That that's what I got from uh, today's press conference when he was talking about you know that there's a there's I guess a stigma out there, a belief, whatever word you want to use that that they've targeted one guy. Uh, he was adamant that that's not the case. Uh, I thought what he was saying is, you know, what we've kind of suspected throughout this entire process. They've got a group of quarterbacks together, two or three or more, who they feel like are close. And so I think they feel like waiting at four uh, is the right call because of their evaluation, the way that they have, uh, you know, lined up this board. That's the feeling I got today. Uh, I've been saying for a long time that I thought if they draft C.J. Stroud, they're going to say it's about the accuracy. If they draft Anthony Richardson, they're going to say it's about the ceiling. And if they draft Will Levis, they're going to say it's about the leadership. And I honestly think they're not all that convicted on one or the other. I think they feel like they can have a plan for each of them, that there are things that, that Shane Sykin can get out of each of them. Uh, and it, my takeaway from, from watching the presser today was that they will not trade up just based on the way that, that Chris Ballard approached that, uh, that subject. Now, you know, you never rule anything out in this league. Um, and certainly when it comes to this franchise, but it did not sound to me like they've sat down and said C.J. Stroud is above this group or Will Levis is above this group or Anthony Richardson's above this group. Um, and I, look, you've got to follow your evaluation. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing all these teams have to do. And Ballard said that, you know, if you went 32 teams, you'd probably get 32 different answers right now. But for me, from my, you know, where I'm sitting, I think it's a dangerous game to play. I just, I've never believed in quarterbacks being in tears. I don't think you can treat that like you do other positions. You know, if there's linebackers, sure. Okay, here's these three guys, and they all do something a little bit differently. 
and I feel like they're all going to, you know, we can, we can put them into the system and we can win with all of them. I've just never had a belief that that's the way quarterback works. You got to get your guy and you got to build around him. And I feel like they've already missed that opportunity uh, because whoever the rookie is that comes in, they haven't spent the last two months building an offense, say for Anthony Richardson. And they haven't spent the last two months building an offense for Will Levis or for CJ Stroud. And it's hard to do when you're at four. I get that. Uh, but it just feels like that lack of conviction, that that patience is going to bleed into 2023. And now we'll see. I mean, I know I'm Mr. Rain on the parade, you know, all off season, but it just, it's, it's part of what makes me think this is going to be a long year around here. Uh, and it's part of why probably I'm not as excited about this draft as maybe a lot of other people are out there. Cause I, I just feel like there's already been a lot of missed opportunities. And if it does work out, it's going to be more, not luck because there's always luck in this draft. I mean, that's what it's all about anywhere. You're just, you know, throwing darts at the board, but it's not going to be a concerted effort from this team, identifying one guy and doing everything you can to get him and to put him in a situation that you think will, will, you know, be best for him to succeed. So we have the same takeaway, which is not surprising when it comes to quarterbacks. And like you said, Chris Ballard shooting down the notion that he has zoned in or circled in on one guy. He likes multiple, which to me, absolutely, I'm with you, cements the fact they are picking that number four. I would be shocked for, I don't think there's any chance at this point, they'll be moving up to number three and trading with the Cardinals. Excuse me. They'll sit pat, sit, sit back, sit, uh, stand pat, easy for me to say, and take basically whoever's left at number four, whether it's one quarterback, whether it's two quarterbacks, whether it's three quarterbacks. If somehow the, the Texans and the Cardinals decide to stick where they are and draft defensive players, you could have, obviously, that's the best case scenario and have everything fall in your lap. I don't see that happening. So they're going to sit back and allow at least one other quarterback in front of them to go off the board. And here's, this is my biggest issue with that, is that before you say conviction, and I'm 100% with you, at this point, you have to have some sort of order and you can claim, oh, we have everyone bunched up together. We don't see much separation from, let's just say, Bryce Young at number one and Will Levis at number four. That is a problem. Like, if you cannot decipher, if you don't feel strong enough about one quarterback over another, it's where you say, ah, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, who cares? They're all the same. We'll sit back at there for we'll be happy whoever we get. That's where's a problem. Because that means if you truly cannot decipher who best fits your offense and who best fits what you want to do with Shane Sykin, then you are not doing either a well enough job scouting, you're missing, you're overlooking, um, you know, flaws and or potential upside that you are not taking into consideration seriously, and you're not taking the position enough seriously. Like you, you have to kind of go on your gut. If you have a board of, let's just say, young one, Stroud two, you have to do, if possible, I think, everything possible to get that number two quarterback on your board because quarterback is not a position where you just ah you know what we'll just get the next available guy and it's going to work out it's so important it's so hard to get it right that I don't ever see a, a situation where you could say yeah we have we have a chance to get our number two guy but we're going to sit back here we're going to we're going to get number three it's going to be all good I just don't think quarterback works that way and if you don't have a strong conviction if you don't really you know feel strongly about any of these guys then at this point George don't even take a quarterback. Like, I'm serious about that. If you truly are sitting here and saying, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, eh, all the same. We'll see what, you know, we'll figure it out. Like, no, you have to, at this point, have some sort of serious conviction, have some sort of plan of this is our, we will have the most success with this guy. 
if you cannot right now identify quarterbacks that in five years you envision, okay, we think we'll have the most success with this guy first, then this guy, then this guy. I don't see how you are going to then make any of these picks work. Yeah, I think there's a couple things that work here. The biggest thing is I I really do think that they're not taking the position seriously enough. And that's been a criticism of Ballard really the entire time he's been here. You know, with people say even when Andrew Luck was here, people didn't feel like he was taking the position seriously enough and, uh, you know, putting as much emphasis on quarterback as you need to in today's NFL. I don't think that's anything new. I think that's something that, that's been, you know, long-term uh, at least view around here. Uh, and I think it's just coming into to sharp relief right now because of the situation the team finds itself in. But I do think there's a couple of factors that are mitigating things here. Uh, Cause that to me is the big one is I think they need to be more, there needs to be more urgency uh, about that, that pick than there has been. But I do think, you know, part of why they're behaving the way they are um, is I think there's two things. One is Shane Sykin. And they've, they've said that that's not even guesswork on my part. That's, that's right out there. You know, they feel like there's a lot of different uh, styles that, that he can work with. And I think that's led to them feeling more comfortable with multiple guys than they would if, if it was, you know, here's the exact blueprint that we want. Here's exactly the kind of quarterback that we want. Uh, the other mitigating factor is, is more guesswork on my part. You just hear around the league that the Colts are higher on this quarterback class in general than a lot of other teams are. And Ballard, you know, whether it's that with the next pick video that came out this week or whether it's, you know, a little bit in the, in the presser today and really the whole time he's been here, you know, he's, he's very adamant that they are, they stick with their evaluations. They don't really listen to what's going on anywhere else. And I think that's playing into this a little bit too. It's why conviction's a, a part of this, but I think it's, I think in their case right now, it's more the belief that they've got somebody or probably multiple somebody's higher on their board than a lot of other teams do. And so I think they're feeling like, you know, even at four, like I, I guess what I'm trying to say a long long-winded circular route here is that they're more comfortable taking like Will Levis at four than maybe any other team in the league would be, or, you know, however of the 32 teams you want to, you want to throw out there, uh, which I think gives you that, that confidence and that faith. I still think it's the wrong play because I still think you've got to put real emphasis on this position. If you got to get the best player uh, and, and I guess for me, the biggest thing is, You've got to have a plan. I mean, that's what we've seen throughout this league year after year. Patrick Mahomes worked out in large part because Kansas City knew exactly what they were going to do. He was going to sit behind Alex Smith for a year, and they were going to change the offense to do, you know, what suited him best. And it was like clockwork. When he came in, it was all set. It was like he had been there for 10 years because they had it all planned out. On the flip side, Chicago kind of, hey, Justin Fields is falling. Let's go and trade up for him had no plan, really didn't use him at all properly in his first year, and we're still kind of fit. It was about midway through last year that they realized, hey, this guy's got a little Lamar Jackson in him. Maybe we want to play a little more like that. That's, to me, that's the difference. And when you know what you want and you plan for it and you bring that guy in and you build around him and you put him in the best position to succeed, right now I feel like the Colts are leaning more towards Chicago than Kansas City, but we'll see how it turns out. I would agree. A few things what you said there. Number one, let, to circle back to Shane Second, you're right, in a sense that all three quarterbacks that we think will be at their disposal, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, all three different styles, 
all three different styles Shane Steichen has worked with in some capacity. So yes, he like there's no eliminating one because all oh, that's not a system that he has worked with before. He is malleable to any sort of system that the uh, the you know the, the the quarterback the Colts select that they run. But here's what I'll say: I'm sure Shane Steichen, even though he said, "Hey, we're going to build the offense of the quarterback," I'm sure he prefers maybe one system over another. Right? Just because you're good at all three and you are able to you know work around all three doesn't mean that you you know, are not better in one area than the other. So for example, and let's say this past year in Philly, where we saw that was, you know, the offense that he had the most success with, with Jalen Hurts, who was the runner-up MVP. Let's say Shane Sykin says, you know what? Sure, I can run a pro-style offense with Will Levis. I can run or with CJ Stroud. I can run kind of a, a hybrid with Will Levis. And I can run the Jalen Hurts kind of Philly offense here with Anthony Richardson. And you see the success that Philly had, if, if let's just say that if this is the case that Shane Steichen prefers the offense that he ran in Philly, what does that mean then on the Colts board that Anthony Richardson should be the first guy? If you don't see a lot of separation, it also should be okay. Well, even though Shane Steichen can run all three, even though he can do all three sort of offenses you want to run, depending on this, the quarterback you have, he likes, prefers, has more options, is, is you know, more plays, more dynamic with this certain offense over the other two. So let's prioritize that. And if that means if Anthony Richardson's available at three, the Cardinals come call and say, hey, look, Seattle wants to come up to number three. Here's your chance. You know, Max or offer will go from three, you know, from you can go from four to three. You got to take it. Even though if you don't see a big separation between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, if you have an offense that Shane Steichen prefers to run or is a little bit more comfortable with or has a little bit more success with, also put that as a priority as to why, you know, you should rank these quarterbacks. And again, so I, I think you should absolutely, if you had the opportunity to, trade up to number three and get whatever quarterback that you want. Like, I just don't I just don't think sitting back at number four and taking whoever's there is going to yield the best outcome. Yeah, no, again, for me, it's all about the planning. It's all about having an idea, you know, what you want to do with this guy. And, you know, Ballard talked about they they have that's changed since Steichen got here. You know, the way that they might use these guys, you can see that in different ways. Um, and and that makes sense. You know, when the coach gets in the building, he's gonna have a big, big say in that. But I'm with you. At the end of the day, Shane Steichen has to prefer one of these guys more than the others. There, there's no way they're all three just tied. You know, and he's just like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, he's got to to prefer one of these guys more than the others. And to me, when when you really succeed and you see quarterbacks hit in this league, as much as it depends on what they do, which is a big part of this, obviously, their ability uh, and their work ethic and, and, you know, their want to is a huge part of this. But I think the team has an equal obligation in the process, and, and that is to build the system properly around them. And I just feel like if you're waiting and you're just going to let whoever falls to you uh, be the pick – you're not maximizing that part of it, your end of the deal. You know, again, this offense is going to look significantly different in September if Anthony Richardson's the quarterback or if C.J. Stroud's the quarterback or if Will Levis is the quarterback. And that means getting the right pieces around them, and it means having that plan in place from day one. I mean, that plan literally has to start the week after the draft when they get here for rookie minicamp as far as what you want them to do, what they're working on, and what they're going to be asked to do as a rookie. You can do that for three guys. There's no question. Uh, same as, you know, scouting ahead for the playoffs. You can do it for three guys, but 
it's going to be better if you're doing it for one. I Absolutely. And I guess the last thing I'll say about this, George, is this. Quarterback is different than any every other position, right? So you can approach, okay, there's two left tackles we like. You know, we have a chance to trade up, but, you know, maybe we'll save assets because we like them a lot. So we'll just take the, the second guy on our board and we'll still move along with that. There are plenty of positions where you can do that, where you can maybe keep your draft capital, not trade up, and get the second or third guy on your board and still be okay going forward. I think the one position you can't do that is quarterback. And so, again, mm-hmm. you should be doing everything possible to get the highest-ranked guy that's available um, on your board, on your team. And that's where it just comes back to, I've been against trading the number three pick for or up to number three for a while. But I'm sitting there telling myself, well, then, like, what? Like, if it works out in five years, you're going to forget and not frankly care how much you paid to go up one spot to get the guy. If you get the guy, then it works out. And I just don't, that is just the one position where I just don't see it working out in your favor. I just think, especially if you're the GM, I don't think it pays for you to sit back there, be patient, allow the board to come to you and then be picking between one quarterback or another when you have a chance to take control of your own destiny and get the guy on your team that you believe the most in. And that's where just when it comes to Chris Ballard, I don't think he's going to do that. That goes back to the first thing we talked about, George, of, of giving him the benefit out of trusting him to make the right decision. I can't trust him in large parts. I don't think he's going to do whatever it takes to get the best quarterback possible to Indy. And that is a problem. That is a problem. Even if you don't look, Will Levis has got a lot of flack. And I'm not a Will Levis fan. You're not a Will Levis fan. But this is what I will say. If Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen, everyone is in agreement that Will Levis is the second best quarterback on their board. I don't care what anyone else says. And if you believe that much in Will Levis, you got to trade up to number three. Take him. Even if you don't think, let's say Seattle or whoever is calling the Cardinals to move up, you don't think they'll take him. You just cannot take the risk of letting him drop and missing out like there was an example a few years ago in the draft when the New York Giants took Daniel Jones and the New York Giants had picks I believe it was like six and 18 in the first round I will never forget a lot of people when the Giants took Daniel Jones at number six were saying wow that's a stupid pick not only because it's Daniel Jones but it's like that's way too early like you should have taken him with the second first overall pick and my retort to that is if you like Daniel Jones so much then six or 18 doesn't matter like you take him where you take him and you guarantee you get him on your team instead of trying to play the board and say, oh, you know, we'll take whoever, the, the best wide receiver at number six, and then we'll hope at pick 18 he's still there. If another team like Daniel Jones and trades up and you miss out on Daniel Jones, no one's going to care then that, oh, you know, we don't want to overdraft him. Get the guy or not. There's no such thing as overdrafting but works. If you like Will Levis, do whatever you got to do to get Will Levis at number three. I think it's a mistake, but if you believe, if you're Chris Bowd, that's the, that's the guy you think fits your team the best and will lead to the most success going forward. You can't, I don't think, be passive in adding that talent to your team. So it applies for Stroud, uh, Richardson, Levis. You cannot be passive in adding whoever you have ranked there number two behind Bryce Young or even maybe number one with how some of the Colts rankings are. You cannot pass on that opportunity to get that guy. I agree. And I don't think he would. I think that's the thing. If, If the number one guy on their board is there at three, I think he would trade up. I just don't know that they... It just to me from from talk the way he talked today, I don't feel like they have that guy. I don't know that that that's what concerns me about this. I just don't feel like there is 
a guy at the top of this group that that they see these quarterbacks in a tier like a lot of the listeners have. I mean, we've we've gotten a lot of feedback out there that people feel like they don't care which of these quarterbacks they get, um, that that they're they're all together. You know, they're all tightly together. You and I, we just don't think that way. You know, it, it's not it's not how we see the quarterback position. Uh, but that that's what bothers me because I do think from from being around Ballard now for seven years, if they had a guy that they felt that strongly in, they would have gone up to one, honestly. Uh, and I think they would still go up to three if there was another guy that they felt like was breaking out of this group. But the way he talked today, I just don't think that's the way they see this. That's where my disagreement with them is. You know, I personally think you, you need to 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 value that position in a specific way. I don't think, because I'm with you, like you were talking about earlier, I, I don't think it's a spot where you can say, now I get the second or third guy on my board and it's just as good as getting the first guy on my board. Uh, but that's that's their belief going into this. Uh, and we'll see how it plays out next week. I hope you're right, George. I hope I'm wrong and he does make the move and is aggressive in getting the guy. But like we talked about to go back to the start of the pod, I just at this point, before the draft, I can't give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll give him credit. And when we do our after the draft uh, podcast, if he does make a move and is aggressive and shows conviction in getting the guy, I will apologize, leave my words, and give him credit. But he's going in. I don't expect it because, like we said, it's been the same old, same old, even this offseason, being passive, allowing the Panthers to jump in, not controlling the board uh, quarterback wise, and still kind of, like you said, continuing to talk about these quarterbacks in clumps, as you put it, in tears, I think is, is a perfect word to use. Instead of looking at them individually and say, okay, one, two, three, and four, we got to do everything possible to get you know, as highly ranked of a quarterback on our team as we possibly can and come out of the draft with that guy, no matter who it is, and show conviction that we believe in him. Speaking of which, George, let's wrap up the podcast with this. We've talked about the same names these last few months of who could be on the Colts. It's been Bryce Young. It's been CJ Stroud. It's been Levis. It's been Richardson. There's been Henton Hooker talk as well. I want to add another name to the mix. Get your thoughts on how seriously the Colts should be considering this name. It's a guy who's not in the draft. It's a guy who has been in the NFL before, although he's not shown a lot. And that is former number three overall pick, Trey Lance. Who the 49ers showed conviction in and trading up from 12 to 3 to go get him. And for whatever reason, through two years and four starts, really three and a half because he got hurt in the, in the last start he had in 2022, and three and a half starts over those two years, the 49ers seem to be done with them. You have Ian Rappaport of NFL Network tweeting out um, on Thursday that the 49ers have received trade calls about Trey Lance. The only team right now that's been reported to have talked to the 49ers about Trey Lance has been the Minnesota Vikings. So there's been no Colts connection whatsoever. But I do want to ask you this. If you were Chris Ballard, would you consider Trey Lance and, and trading for Trey Lance, trying to get pennies on the dollar for him, and then... At number four, either trading down if there's a quarterback there that another team wants or taking the best available player. How would you view Trey Lance versus the other four quarterbacks we've been talking about, or five, if you want to include Hen Hooker, the other five quarterbacks we've been talking about in this upcoming draft? I put I put him behind all five of them, honestly. I just don't. First of all, San Francisco's done a really good job out there plugging guys in. I mean, Brock Purdy comes in and immediately, you know, looks like a winner. And it is honestly, that's the reason this talk's even happening because it looks like now Purdy might be the future for that franchise. Um, you know, they brought, they brought in Trey Lance. They had a plan. They were going to have him take over for Jim 
Jimmy Garoppolo, and it just it seems like ever since they got him in the building, they haven't had confidence in him, you know, and and so that gives me pause because this is a this is a franchise that has just seemingly been able to plug quarterbacks in there and keep things rolling, and if he's not succeeding in that system, it's it's concerning to me as far as how it would work here. Whereas uh, that's not been the Colts fortune. Let's, let's just say it hasn't been just plug and play at that position the last five years. Um, so I think I'd rather take a chance with, with these young guys and and see if you can develop a guy in Shane Steichen's system uh, and, and build around that way. And I know, I know that's what the owner feels. I think he's made that pretty clear. I would have Trey Lance third on my board behind Bryce Young, number one, C.J. Stroud, number two. So if those two are off the board by the time I'm on the clock at number four, I I would absolutely try to trade for Trey Lance for two reasons. Number one, I think you can get him very cheap. So maybe a late day two pick, a late third round pick, even a day three pick just because his stock, I think, is, is so low at this point. Even though it was the former number three overall pick, I don't see how San Francisco can try to hold any sort of value when you've barely seen him play and they're already trying to jettison him off and despite the fact you have Brock Purdy with a hurt UCL and Sam Darnold right now as your two other options currently on the roster. And that would allow, obviously, the Colts to get not only a quarterback without the fourth overall pick, but now you also add talent, Will Anderson Jr., Tyree Wilson, trade down to get extra picks. You're able to, to add more talent to your team that you desperately need. That's reason number one. But reason number two is like I don't see a lot. Like I still think Trey Lance is good. I think the reason why right now he is being shopped around is because I don't know if I don't think Kyle Shannon knows what he wants at quarterback. He's a, a genius offensively. And I have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan, but the one thing he has demonstrated is that he doesn't really know what he wants, or maybe just gets so quickly bored by quarterbacks that he is moving and grooving, wheeling and dealing left and right. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, you trade Jimmy Garoppolo, you, you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, you paid him a lot of money. You win with Jimmy Garoppolo. As soon as, kind of the blooms off the rose, boom, here comes a massive trade for Trey Lance. As soon as Trey Lance gets hurt, Brock Purdy steps in. Oh my God, Brock Purdy's now the guy, despite the fact he started five starts. He had one more start in his career so far than Trey Lance, but now all of a sudden you're hitching your wagons to a guy that has a torn UCL, might not be ready for the season, and then you're going to also bring in Sam Darnold and and like that guy. I just don't think Kyle Shanahan truly knows what he wants at quarterback. So I'm going to go for me, and I could be wrong. That's my perception. So I think it's that is more to blame as to why Trey Lance is quickly soured in Kyle Shanahan's mind versus he can't play. He's, you know, not processing well. He's not developing well. He's lazy, bad character. Not that any of those have been out there, but just reasons as to why you move off a quarterback this fast. Those are presumably reasons why you would, you know, what, what would be going on. I will say it's Kyle Shanahan's indecision and almost kind of, like a guy in high school looking at any kind of girl that walks by, you're interested, and then five seconds later, someone else gets your attention. And then someone else gets your attention. I think that's what's going on with Kyle Shanahan. So I don't see much of a difference between Trey Lance and Anthony Richardson. Both massive projects, both physical specimens, both very raw, very little talent, uh, very little, I should say, um, very few starts. They each started one season, Trey Lance in North Dakota State, and obviously Anthony Richardson in Florida. So they're inexperienced, but at least you get a head start with Trey Lance because he's been in the NFL for two years. I get it to learn the Shane Sykin system and kind of go through that. But if you get Anthony Richardson, you're, he is sitting for most of, if not all of this year. I think Trey Lance would play right away, or at least compete for the job of Gardner Minshew right away. So you can get him on the field this year. You don't have to sit him. And you can, again, even though he's still raw, have Shane Sykin mold him to the quarterback he wants. 
versus sitting Anthony Richardson. And, and again, using having 2023, I don't say be a waste, but because I think they're going to be bad no matter who the quarterback is, but not be able to truly evaluate your quarterback in 2023 because it's either going to be very few to zero starts for Richardson. Probably the same with Levis. Maybe he'll get half a season. Um, if And that's assuming, of course, you can't get Bryce or C.J. Stroud and both are off the board. Yeah, I think Levis will play more than than you're projecting. I, I think he's going to – he's he'll be in the mix to start week one, I, I think. I mean, he's, he's played in a pro-style offense. I think that's one of the things that they like about him. But, you know, you're still – you're still dealing with a rookie. Um, I just feel like for me, I think the reason I'm I'm against that idea is, is mostly around the idea of, you know, I'm done with the idea of bringing in somebody from, from the outside and trying to make it work here when it didn't work there. Uh, Lance is obviously a much younger guy. So it's a different situation than, than we've seen with uh, Wentz or, or with Ryan, but it's just, I think I've seen that road enough that I'm just, I'm done with it. Uh, except for Lamar would be my one guy to me. I look at Trey and you've, you've got the injury concern still with him. It, he's, he's coming off injury himself. Not sure whether he'll be ready to start the year. Um, part of the reason Darnold's there and it just, you just don't have the track record that you've got, you know, with, with Lamar. I think it's something I would shy away from, but I understand. Yeah. I think all the points you made are, are solid points. And I think there are definitely conversations to be had around the NFL right now about, Hey, I guarantee you there's team out there. Uh, and it could be the Colts who are thinking exactly the way you are, that they would put Trey Lance high in this group and they would go ahead. And obviously Minnesota is thinking that way. Now they're picking low later in the draft. So, you know, their situation's a little bit different, uh, but I, they can't be the only one, you know, maybe the Titans are going to get interested. Maybe the Colts will be, I, I still think the Colts thinking right now could be different at the end of the day on Thursday. Um, just because if, if you don't come out of that round with a quarterback and Hinton Hooker's not still on the board, you're going to probably have to start looking at other avenues to to fill that position. I hope you're right, and the Colts decision makers are thinking more like me than like you. I will say the listeners of the show are definitely the, in your court compared to Mommy. Put a poll out on Twitter earlier this week at Ryan underscore Hickey in the number three on Twitter, also at GM Bremer on Twitter as well, asking of four options, who would you want? Trey Lance, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, by far and away the runaway, 50% of the vote. Of any of the quarterbacks you could have, C.J. Stroud is number one. Number two, Anthony Richardson, 34%. Okay, that's that's 84% right there. Either want Stroud or Richardson. Will Levis, 10% of the vote. Trey Lance, 6% of the vote. And I didn't even vote in this. So there is <laughs> not, not many... Um, Colts fans out there that are are circling Trey Lance, so I am definitely in the minority there, and not a lot feeling the Will Levis love either. It's C.J. Stroud. That's the way I think it should be, George. Absolutely. Um, but any of those results surprise you in terms of who Colts fans? This is assuming at pick number four, all are there. This is just you. These are the options. You're Chris Ballard. You pick fifty percent. Say Stroud. Is that the way to go? I mean, I I agree with that outcome. I. Maybe it's just my own echo chamber, but I'm a little surprised Richardson didn't win the poll. Honestly, I just it may well be just because of my echo chamber right now. But I anecdotally, I would have thought he would have been the the number one pick of the fans. So, uh, but no, I'm behind that the results of that poll fully all the way through all four of them. I am there for a number one CJ Stroud. I would put Trey Lance number two if it's me. But again, yep. I'm on an island. 
I am I am going. You know what? Maybe I'm a hypocrite, George. Maybe that's how we conclude <laughs> the pod. Because here I am yelling at Chris Bowd about going down the same old path of patience and then not working. You're doing it again. Definition of insanity. And here I am frustrated with Band-Aids, frustrated with, with someone else's garbage, trying to turn it into gold. And here I'm advocating. I'm not Let's go for Trey Lance. Let's, bring, let's do it all over again. A younger version and a very still raw version, but n- not much different than Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. So I'll call myself out for the hap- uh, that hypocrisy. Holy we cow. We know what the real answer is. He wasn't I, on the poll. Ah, that's true. Yeah. I That's actually a great call. If I could guarantee you the number one pick next year, I think that's <laughs> part of what you got to do there. I think Caleb Williams, my guess of what the vote would be would be 85%. I said there are people saying Stroud, yeah. maybe some Richardson love. I bet you it would be overwhelming Caleb Williams, which if you can guarantee me, George, the number one pick next year, I'm in. I'll go yeah. through an 0-17. Well, maybe 1-16. Just see one win. I don't want to be, you know. <laughs> they made the history books last year blowing the biggest lead. I don't want to be in the history books of the worst losing season because it would be 0-17, so you move past yeah. the lines at 0-16. I don't need the Colts holding uh, more than one infamous record, we'll say. We're living in infamy with more than one record. No, I don't think 0-17 is, is the way to go. And I don't know that they'll be the number one team either. Uh, but, you know, I got I to gotta get the fight on up there at least once a show. It's sort of a tradition. That is. The, the tradition does live. Now, let me ask you this. Because we only have a few more pods before the pick is actually in. And, again, we assume the Colts will take a quarterback. Will the fight on still live past next Thursday? It'll get retired. Till at least the okay. season starts. Till at least the season starts. You got to give the kid a chance, right? You got to give the, you got to give the rookie a clean slate. He's got to have a. Besides, once it's in and hooker, I'm just going to be partying anyway. So, then fight on. I'll be retired forever. I can't wait. CJ Stroud, week one, throws three interceptions, and the post game pod will literally just be George playing the USC fight song as as our intro music. <laughs> That's what I mean. And I think that honestly. Like we're joking a little bit here, but I do think honestly the biggest thing here is is having an open mind. You know, we've talked about the process and what we would do and what we wouldn't do, but once this rookie gets here, um, you know, really they deserve the chance to to prove themselves. They deserve the chance to to let it play out. Uh, and one of the things that I I know that I am adamant against, like I hate on draft day when it's, it's this kid's dreams come true and then they're on TV like, oh, he can't do this, he can't do that. This is a terrible pick. I just the guy's just had the best day of his life. Don't do that. Boo. I like the booing. Well, not like, but it, it's funny to me. The, <laughs> the fans are fine. The media. The Colts take Will Levis. <gasps> yeah, that's fine. That can fuel a kid. That's fans are going to do that. The media, like, why are you crapping? No one knows what's going to happen. Why are you crapping on this kid's big day? That to me is, I'm just, I don't like that. So you'll be tweeting mean tweets, Georgia, if the Colts take uh, like Will Levis. Oh boy. Yeah. Blown pick. I, All just right. don't, I don't know. I just don't feel it. You know what I mean? Like, because we don't know. At the end of the day, we don't know. You know, but I'm sure someone did that when the Bills took Josh Allen. How are they feeling now? He sucks. That's true. And a lot of those same people, I bet you, that were criticizing it, that were tweeting badly about Josh Allen, then are saying, oh, I knew all along. This guy I knew from day one is going to be a star. That's how, that's mm-hmm. how everything uh, does work in this day and age. That is for sure. All right, so that'll do it for this edition of this Friday bonus pod of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Send us an email. Any of your questions surrounding the Colts and the draft, quarterback-related, non-quarterback-related, let us know, bluehorseshoepod at gmail.com, bluehorseshoepod at gmail.com, as you can fire away your questions. 
We will read them and answer them right here on the podcast as well. So have a great, uh, great weekend. We will talk to you when else, of course, you know, the deal. by Tuesday, we'll get you all prepped for the first round of the NFL draft. We'll run through all the possibilities. We'll reiterate what we think will happen as well and get you set for what is going to be less than a week away, the first round of the, draw of the draft, and we'll finally get closer and closer to learning who the Colts will take. So have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.